0: Shadow of the Cabal is an actual play podcast that uses the legend of the Five Rings system. In a world where honor is stronger than steel, three samurai attempt to outwit and dismantle a philosophical conspiracy that grips the heart of the empire. We focus on tightly edited episodes, intense role-playing, and establishing a dramatic tone. Find Shadow of the Cabal on iTunes and Google Play, or on Twitter at SOTCPod.
1: There's also a bit of a delay between when I hit the button and when we start live, and I I don't know yet how long that is. So I just usually talk randomly until I figure, hey, it's probably working. So hello and welcome to Detention Live from the (laughs) RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael, and tonight I have with me an extra special guest co-host. You may know him already from his role on the Bombarded podcast. Uh, Kyle, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, what's up? I'm Dungeon Maestro Kyle, and it's an honor to be here with you, Michael, um, in detention
1: with the bad boys. <laughs> That's right. So here in detention, we are staying after class in the ha- hallowed halls of the RPG Academy to take care of those near do wells uh catamaniacs as it is uh, or were, that are a little bit rough around the edges and need some extra time in class. Uh, Targus says, yes, it is working, so at least one person I heard us rambling there for Sweet. A that's great. So, uh, for anyone who might not yet be familiar with your podcast, give me the lowdown. What is Bombarded? Bombarded is uh, is a D
2: anD d podcast, um, and we're actually everybody who's in the podcast. We're all in the same band, Lindby, out of Fort Worth, Texas. And you know, we'd been playing D anD d for a little while. I'd introduced everyone to it, and we were going through it. And like our piano player got enamored with these chord dice that he found online. Oh, nice oh we should find a way to work this in and then we all kind of got on board to listening to the adventure zone we we're like well we want to do a D podcast well we it. everyone this- else
1: is why not
2: yeah exactly <laughs> why not go for it so uh so we were like okay well let's put two and two together you know we we have some skill here we have some skill here we'll just make a sandwich and uh that's how bombarded came to be i mean our the they all play a bard multi-class like, okay. I, got a, I got a Bard-Barian, as I've seen it coined online by many people. Uh, I have a Bard-Rogue and a Bard-Druid, so that's Yashi, Randy, and Razzle. Um, they're all level three of their, <coughs> of their, like, regular class, and they're all level one Bards. So they're just starting out at Bards, and that's okay. what episode one is all about. Uh, but so they actually play. They, we bring our instruments to the table, and they perform their Bard spells, and every episode, we take those chord dice that, uh, that our piano player Spurrier or Randy got, and we, we each roll a chord dice, and we use those chords to write a song every episode, which is in relation to what's going on. Oh, wow. So- yeah, no, it's it's a it's been a blast. Like, I'm really surprised at, like, you know, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. And unfortunately, being the DM, I kind of have to be, like, unbiased about it. So I don't really participate in the songwriting part. Okay. Uh, I, I come in at the end, and they, they're like, yeah, here, you, you know the chords that we rolled. I helped them roll those. But all I do is I just pick up my bass, and I put a bass line to whatever they have. <laughs> um, so... I really don't participate in that. In fact, sometimes I zone out and I'll take a nap or I'll listen to <laughs> music or I'll listen to another podcast. Uh, and then, I, yeah, I'll come in as the non-player character that they're interacting with and let them know what they thought about it. And it can be good. It can be bad, you know. But there is eventually a, you know, a little bit of spoilers. You get kind of this stuff in episode, I think end of episode three and episode four uh, where their, their music can actually complete actual magic when they do those ensemble kind of roles Mm -hmm. like it's not just like a performance role and then they play a song granted that's like the first two episodes but you know eventually it turns into something where they are able to manipulate the world around them in a magical sense using what i have called their musical magical abilities
1: (laughs) nice so how long has the podcast been running
2: oh we started back in august i believe it was um but we've we we tried to get a good backlog because it we, we realized after the first episode the project that we had decided to throw ourselves into which we're all very enamored with it it's sure. it's been a blast but uh you know we got a little bit of a backlog and it's you know it's just been a lot of fun
1: okay. so and so how many episodes do you guys have out currently
2: right now we have in the main storyline we have 8 episodes i think we just released an eight episode on tuesday Uh, we did a a holiday, what was supposed to be a one-off, but I am very ambitious with my writing apparently. And one-off turned into a two-off. So, you know, uh, that wound up being our holiday special, which is all, which actually I, I kind of recommend people to listen to, even though it's not the holidays anymore. You know, it still has that wintery feel. You get kind of an idea for the podcast without all the setup. It's just like, here's some characters. Here's the scenario. Wham, bam, done. So, you know, you get a little bit of the flavor of the podcast and, you know, you, you get a better idea for what's to come rather than, you know, the first three episodes, which still set up good. Episode two has probably still one of my favorite moments so far, uh, which features Yashi. Well, I don't know. I don't
1: want to spoil anything. I guess okay. I don't
2: know. It's it's a lot of fun. They get in their first brawl and everybody really uh, finds their ground as far as fighting goes.
1: Now, so how many episodes are out? Are you guys weekly or biweekly or we're on a bi-weekly
2: basis uh just to give goodrich um who plays razzle time and bless him like i have never been in a D game where somebody has worked more than me being the dm yeah so he puts a lot of time into the production and editing and i got to give props to spurrier he does a fantastic job with the background music we you know we all have a g- good time with it putting in what we can and yeah so uh with them you know it's every other every other week we come out we came out this recent tuesday just two one day ago yesterday i know what day it
1: is yeah exactly yeah one, so you
2: know they don't all just blend together at one point yeah. but uh but yeah so we released one yesterday so we'll have another one in two days um i'm not sure of the exact date of it and right off hand but i guess i could reference a calendar when it's appropriate so okay
1: so yeah. um so if anybody wants to check out your show and they haven't yet where where should they go
2: uh, wherever you access podcasts, really, uh, you know, we have it on, I think we're hosting on Podbean. You can get it through iTunes. Uh, I, I don't know about many of the other branches. I haven't really checked, but we've definitely put it out there. Um, I've seen it on some really obscure things. Just, you know, it's, I don't Google myself, but I'll Google my podcast sure. uh, and, you know, see, and it's random websites that have it on there. I'm just like,
1: ah, cool. Yeah. You just type it in on Google and you probably find You'll it. You'll find but, something. You know, yeah. So, again, it's it's Bombarded, B-O-M-B-A-R-D-E-D? Yes. All right. And I know your Twitter handle, which we're going to get to in a minute, Mm -hmm. uh, makes no sense to me. I'm sure there's a story behind it, but you guys have a Twitter for the show, which is Mm -hmm. BombardedCast, I think? Yeah, at BombardedCast. All right. So, uh, if anybody wants to check it out, please go do so. So, with all of that out of the way, you talked about, you know, you introduced this game to your bandmates. So, how long have Mm -hmm. you been playing?
2: Uh, I start by the first time I ever played D&D was when I was 14 and my older brother had moved back from Oregon where he was living, um, and introduced me to it. He ran me in a one-off, you know, just one-on-one campaign. And like, honestly, I remember it so vividly. I still use it for first time players. Um, Long story short, you go through a, you go through a dungeon and, oh, that's not a dungeon. It's a cave system. And at the very beginning, there's just a bottomless pit with a huge gust of wind coming up. Then you work your way through and further down. And at the end, you realize like you do something and the cave begins to explode or collapse in on you. And the only way out is a gust of wind that's coming from the bottom. Yeah. You should jump right through the top. So that stuck with me ever since I've started playing. But that was at 14. And I played, I played pretty, there was an on and off period from 14 to 16. And 16, I met a friend in high school uh, named Devin. And he invited me over to his house, which was really weird because I was a sophomore and he was a senior. So, but it was a really cool dude. We got I, we didn't play D and D, but we played the Star Wars Revised Core rule book. Okay, which man, that was that was a blast. My first character for that was a Bothan. Uh, I was a Bothan Scout. Just had to be a little furry guy, not the big, you know, <laughs> yeah. couldn't be a Wookiee. There's somebody else is already doing that. But they invited me in, and it went back and forth between a little bit of Star Wars and a little bit of D and D up until you know I was about 19, graduated high school, a lot of friends moved out of the area, and uh then. It, kind of stopped for about 10 years and I picked it back up two years ago yeah I'm 31 two years ago uh, not to age myself but uh yeah so I picked it up two years ago again and when we first played I hadn't looked into 5e and I wasn't going to buy a book when I had a 3.5 edition sure yeah why would you I made it easy for them. I made all their characters. I just pre gimmed them up, gave them a little bit of backstory to work with. And we were doing a, what we called the Lindby lock-in. Uh, it was just a weekend. We were staying over at one of, one of our parents' house and spending all that time writing writing songs and practicing together and doing that whole big, you know, band thing. Uh, but then we took time out to play mainly a lot of Rocket League and some Dungeons & Dragons. So that was their first introduction which I I feel kind of bad now that I knew that 5E was out because uh, you have you played 3.5? Oh yeah, I
1: I played right lots on. of 3.5. Uh
2: yeah, okay, I figured. So the math labor of that yeah. entire edition. I love it because of the custom customization you can do in the skills. The point buy for the skills really really drug me in. Um but uh but then after like explaining all that to them and realizing okay, this is kind of a slog for them and I can tell it. I mm. I really wish I had started off with 3.5, but it wasn't too long before I, I switched. Somebody got me a player's handbook for my birthday, one Christmas, well, December, but, mm. and we switched over. I just switched all their character information over, made it work, and we kept going from there and had had a dang good time. Enough enough to start a podcast.
1: There, Well, there you go. Well, thank you very much for and uh, me with all of your backstory. Uh, so yeah. I will ask, as I've already hinted, where does your Twitter handle come from? Because I... It, I have no frame of reference for what it is. I'm sure it's something I don't know.
2: No, absolutely. Um, The theory part is easy. Uh, I have two degrees in music theory. I spent a lot of time studying it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I've made some life decisions. I'm now working at a repair shop for band and orchestra instruments, which I enjoy very much. So, uh, you know, but music theory is more just like a life passion of mine. I enjoy just the structure, makeup of chords and form. I'm not going to get into that. That is that is dry. But uh, but the other part, Bugnish, um, I actually did a little questionnaire on Twitter the other day, but Bugnish is a demon god who presented himself to the brothers Ween, Dean and Gene Ween, of the band Ween, um, which is a fantastic band. They're so eclectic. Their earlier stuff, their first, like, four albums are a little... A little hard to access you know okay. you really have to put some time into listening to it and pick out kind of what are the gems granted i i honestly i say this you know more often than not but i think i'm i like ween maybe more than i like dnd which D, okay. you know, i don't i don't you know not you know they're totally two different things so yeah. but my i think i have more d and, or more ween stuff than i do D stuff but i'm changing that as, okay. as, as time goes along right okay um but yeah no it's a fantastic band and the the symbol is just like this crazy smiling face just this big open grin like a square grin and like spikes like seven spikes 10 teeth just looks wild and crazy they put on awesome live shows you can watch numbers of live shows on youtube uh they're live in chicago i that's a great introduction because you get a, you get a little bit of the accessible stuff like their later stuff um and you get a little bit of the earlier stuff too, which, you know, the the fans like myself, I really enjoy it. It's, it's, it's that perfect kind of weird. I don't know. Um, have you ever, heard, you've heard of the butthole surfers, right?
1: Yes. I've heard of them. I, I don't think I've ever, well, unless I had like something on the top 40, I'm not a music, a file. I, I, you know, I listen to no, the radio, and totally listen fair. to podcasts. That's it.
2: Totally fair. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I've heard Ween on the radio once and it was a college radio station. Yeah. So it gives you an idea, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's that's pretty much it. It's just the demon god who told them to become a band when they were in seventh
1: grade typing class together. As you do.
2: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> awesome. takes, takes all things. So with that, uh, we will go ahead and jump kind of into the show. So we'd like to start with a little segment we call What Are You Drinking? So, Kyle, what are you drinking?
2: I am drinking in honor of my... Um, my producer and editor, Goodrich. I am drinking a gin and tonic, which is one of his favorite beverages. And I have my little drinking buddy, Mitch, here hanging out with me. <laughs> yeah, I going to have a drinking buddy. So,
1: very, very cool. I, uh, once what again, I? I'm, I'm on the water uh, kick right now. I'm not drinking anything else, but I do have a My Little Pony glass or there you cup. Go. So, that's what I'm wondering. There you go. All righty. So then we'll jump into extracurricular and this is where we just talk about what's been going on outside of D&D or even inside D&D. It really doesn't matter. It's just what you've been up to the last couple of weeks, any books you've read or movies you've watched or, you know, records you've listened to or CDs or video games. So what's been going on in Kyle's life?
2: Uh, I mean, one of the records that I keep coming back to in the last couple of weeks is Led Zeppelin's Houses of the Holy. Uh, it's a fantastic album. Can't recommend it enough. Just, you know, great mix of songs. Uh, I, I watched the Bachelorette and Bachelor products with my wife, which is uh, Griffin McElroy's fault. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and put them on blast for that, but uh, but no, we enjoyed, In fact, you know, we had a drinking game earlier where anytime they some say something, uh, you know, like totally or awesome or I like that, you know, <laughs> we we drink wine to it, and you know, so we had a good time with that earlier. Uh, now that now that we were able to, but um, with that, I've been trying to catch up on reading X Men Blue. And also, uh, Man of War, I think it is. I don't know. I'm reading a couple different, couple different comics that I'm trying to keep up with, and I'm I'm way behind on that for writing writing for Bombarded, but uh, but yeah. Other than that, we've been. Uh, I picked up watching Angel because my oh. wife got me to got me to watch Buffy over the summer. We watched that. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I decided, you know, David is he's a great guy. Let's go ahead and give him, a, give him a look and see what happens. And, you know, digging on Joss Whedon stuff. I've never, I, I might commit a sin here, but I've never really watched a lot of Joss Whedon stuff. I haven't watched, um, oh man, I am digging myself a bad hole right here. Don't say it. Don't, don't even say it. So going on, I've been also playing Zelda Breath of the Wild, which has been just fantastic. I uh, I I started off, when, when we got the Switch, I started off playing a little bit of Mario uh, mm-hmm. Odyssey, and I played that for a day and then switched over to Breath of the Wild, and I just haven't been back to Mario. So, mm-hmm. my little plumber guy's going to have to wait. So, what you been up
1: to? Uh, so, Short Manian 444 uh, threw out that uh, they have heard of the Rose Buddies, and they have not watched a show that shall not be named here either. <laughs> So you were not alone in that uh, giant gaping <laughs> hole in your nerddom. Oh, fantastic! I'm glad I'm not yeah. alone. Man. So I never watched Buffy when it was out like that. Just it wasn't on my radar. Uh, but this has been several years ago now. Maybe like maybe like ten years ago. I don't know. But it was yeah. on Netflix, and one summer, my wife and I, we just watched the entire run, like all I think six, seven seasons. We would just come home every day after work and watch like two or three episodes on Netflix. And I burned through the whole series. I loved it. I mean, I loved it. Oh, yeah. Uh, And so then I went to Angel. I got lukewarm. Like, I've heard people say that if you stick with Angel, it's actually better. Mm
0: -hmm. I
1: I never got there. I I gave up on it after, I think, maybe the third season. It just didn't connect with me like Buffy did. So, yeah. So, I've I've not finished that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did watch his other show that he's really well known for, as well as Dollhouse. What's that? Are you talking about bones? No, no, dollhouse, and then oh, okay. th- there was no, the I other one about the the guy in space and the cowboy. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that one, yeah, that one, <laughs> which I thoroughly—it's it's probably my favorite TV show of all time. And there's a an ep- oh, particular man, episode uh, that is my favorite episode of TV ever. So oh man, yeah, it, awesome. it's pretty pretty awesome stuff. Um, I've actually recently got back into video games as well, which I you know uh, will hoo woe is me. But I put a lot of time into the podcast over the last five years or so. That's it's been kind of my hobby more than anything else. Uh, I also have two young kids now. I got a six-year-old and a soon-to-be seven-year-old. Awesome. And, and they're starting to play like Nintendo Wii. We got them a Wii U for Christmas. We haven't got to the Switch yet. That'll be a couple of years. Right. Um, something not portable where they can just take it anywhere right we we have a little area for them so we can watch what they do and everything uh so i've kind of started getting played back into them and i just saw just recently bought an xbox one uh -hmm. and so far the majority of what i've spent on it is to buy games i already own on other xbox systems so i can play it on the one uh right now it's marvel's ultimate alliance i've been playing the crap out of that game uh, I just it's, it's i mean it's, it's a waste of money. I spent like way too much money to rebuy the game. I literally already own, I can go play on the other system anytime I want, but I want it on this one. I've been playing that, uh, and also Star Wars Battlefront. The oh, yeah, n- number one because I always buy stuff 20, old, I don't yeah. buy new stuff. Uh, so the first one, um, it seems okay, it seems like it's very much made for multiplayer, and I don't play a lot of multiplayer. So yeah. the single campaign's been a little it's okay, but I don't All think right. it's great. Okay. Uh no,
2: that's uh that, that's totally fair. Now the uh the the Marvel Ultimate Alliance, is that the isometric kind of uh Gauntlet Legends style?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Uh right. There was a in I the original that. Xbox there was a game called X-Men Legends and X-Men Legends two. Yes. It's basically the the upgraded version of that. It's by Activision, same company. But right. this one has like it's like the huge crossover. Every Marvel superhero you can think of is playable and unlockable and uh with the bundle that I bought online most of the unlockable stuff came already. Uh yeah, so so my team like I've done this
2: before. I don't need to do it again. Exactly.
1: Want... Uh so my team is Captain America, the Incredible Hulk, uh, uh Nightcrawler and Deadpool. And oh, man. and Cap is my my main person so I've been giving him all the upgrades. And I pretty much at this point I can just throw my shield and take anything out. It's it's almost <laughs> ridiculous, but I still enjoy it. Heck yeah. Uh, So Short Minion said that they they love the game. I I assume they mean Ultimate Alliance. I don't know because we were talking about so much. Uh, But I am on Xbox Live. If anybody does want to friend me, I'm the RPG Academy. I don't play a lot of online games, but if someone wants to play Marvel Ultimate Alliance, probably can find me on there. Uh, And then someone also asked about the particular episode. Um, It's out of gas. I think that is just, brilliant television there's there's one small thing with it that just it's it's a nitpick and i won't say anything but but other than that it's perfect in in all ways at least i think so anyways awesome cool um yep so you can just again i'm trying to read chat at the same time no, uh, that's fair. you do your thing man yep again i got a little take one through i apologize Nah, I'll
2: take a drink with you
1: Usually, if if we say session zero, by the way, by the way, everyone takes a drink at that point. That, that's our. I'm thing. Up on
2: that, so take a drink then. Exactly.
1: Uh, so what I was going to say it's actually you're talking about watching The Bachelor and Bachelorette. This this show is probably 15 years old. But did you yeah. ever watch the Joe Schmo show? It, was that that wasn't the one where
2: they got all the actors to play? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, there was I one dude that. who didn't know what was going on and everyone else was in on it. And they were doing a rea- rea- uh, reality show version. It also was, it was kind of like Burning mm-hmm. Love is now, but this was like the precursor. Right. So like, there it, it was just this over the top stupidity, sexualization about, uh, and again, I don't want to get graphic, but the, the show was funny in the way it presented it. But like, even the mm-hmm. way like uh, you would, uh, ah, it was something about lighting someone's candle is how you would stay, I think. And all the men would hold their candle suggestively <laughs> as they were waiting. Uh, And then instead of giving someone a rose, you would give them an item of jewelry that has a secondary connotation to, we won't have to give that. But it is,
2: would have to go back and check
1: this out. It's awesome. I remember
2: it. I remember hearing it because I remember one of the, one of the things I always remember the guy saying, and I'm going to back off the mic, it's like,
1: what is going on? (laughs) That's That's I remember from that. And what's crazy about it is whoever picked that guy, did an amazing job because he is so endearing. And it's like you start to feel bad for him in a way because he is so earnest. But he makes the show watchable because it's not just cruel, mm-hmm. because he truly is a nice person. Or he comes across as a nice person in the show. Yeah. And even when all this crazy stuff is going on, he's just like a regular Joe Schmo kind of guy. And I I really, really like that show. It's I mean, it's so outdated I'm sure there's some humor now that I would find distasteful, uh, but at the time, fair. I remember really liking it,
2: yeah, I know that's that's totally fair yeah i I think I'm pretty sure like I watched some of that with my mom growing up and whatnot, and we just had a had a ball laughing at it
1: yeah so a uh, short is also thrown in there there was a scene where there was like a falcon that was supposed to fly in and land on the guy's glove and like he was bringing a note and yeah. It was a whole thing that they did with that. So I, again, go find it. I'm sure it's on YouTube yeah, or Hulu no, yeah. or something. Uh, so we'll get into our first uh, of our improv games. Uh, again, you oh, told man. me you've, you've watched a few episodes or listened to them, so you kind of have an idea what's going on. So the yeah. first one is 10 Things. Okay. Are you familiar with how 10 Things works?
2: Yes. Yes. Uh, I believe you give me a prompt and I'm supposed to answer them as quickly as possible. Accuracy is not as important as speed.
1: Correct. So you are the guest. Would you like to give me a prompt first or receive a prompt? Um, let's see. Uh, I will give you a prompt first. How about that? Sounds good.
2: Uh, give me ten DC characters that you would want to have in Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Uh,
1: the question: Batgirl, Batman, two, Batman,
2: three.
1: Um, Superman's too powerful, so I don't want Superman around. Okay. Oh god, I'm I'm having I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Nightwing, four, Beast Boy, five. Oh. Uh, rich and caleb are gonna kill me uh superboy that would work magon kid flash robin nine uh who's left uh aqualad ten there you go all right so again uh, yeah that that hit me okay so for you Uh what are 10 things that we would find in the margin of our bard's song book um
2: Oh, in the margin of the bard's songbook. Yeah, so they're they're uh,
1: writing their songs. What are they writing in the margins? Um,
2: uh, proper is this proper voice leading? One. Am I doing double leading tones? Two. Uh, what mode do I actually want to use? Three. Uh, minor or major. Four. Um. Uh, swing, swung, swung eights or straight eights. Five. Um, oh man uh guitar or lute six uh, and it man. actually go
1: the inflection is in the in the page
2: yes, absolutely
1: um
2: is this appropriate for this show seven um do we ask for payment first for this yes, eight, yes, you do um man, so close, so close, yeah, close cool. um, Two more um do we do two times through the solo or was it three nine um and uh god is anybody gonna buy this
1: yay those were 10 things thank you very much for for playing along oh no man that was fun (laughs) all right so the next segment of the show is what we call used books and this is where we take a look back at a campaign that we've played in Maybe one that ended spectacularly, but not necessarily. And the idea is that we're looking for those notes in the margin of a used book uh, for lessons learned, things we can pull out of there and maybe learn from to not do in the, in the future or to do in the, in the past or do in the future, I should say. So mm-hmm. as our guest, do you have a campaign that you want to talk about? So if so kind of high level review sort of what happened. And if there's anything in particular that you think is uh, lesson worthy, dig into that. Okay, um,
2: I, I have I've had the DM's curse for most of my D and D career. So I yeah. once once uh, once the seniors who were around that invited us us younger people into their group uh, left for college. Somebody had to step up, and I had books, so I did. And it was from then on out that you know, like anytime there was anything of significant length, I was running it. Otherwise, it was like a one off. You know, oh, we're just gonna you know mess around and mm-hmm. do whatever. Um, so. There was, there was one campaign I ran, and typically what would happen is we'd get together on a Friday night, um, buy a five gallon. There's there a chi- there's a restaurant down here in Texas called Chicken Express, and I don't I don't know I don't know how far its reach spreads, yeah. but you could take a Gatorade cooler up there, and they would for ten dollars they'd give you five gallons of sweet tea. Oh so my that would be God! What we'd drink for the night, yeah. Oh just God! Take it and you know set it in our buddy's kitchen, and that would be what we would drink off of for the night. So they would make characters while I would, you know, hurriedly put something together. But one night I had put together a semi-horror kind of thing where they had started off going into a cave where there was this ritual going on, and these people were trying to summon this. Like I, I must have pulled it. I was trying to look through the three point five Monster Manual one and two for this for this beast. I think it might be the Bar Guest, is the closest thing I can remember. That is a thing. I don't
1: know if it's the thing you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Well, I think it was, they were trying to summon that and like eventually, you know, they interrupted the summoning, which caused it to turn into this more like cloud figure, which dissipated and knocked them out. And then they woke up on this like seaside town where they found themselves going into a mansion that was owned by a dead family. Nobody had gone up there for, for ages. And, you know, it's just like, Oh no, no, no. Like, you know, they're, they're a rich family. We don't bother them, but there's been some weird stuff going on. Sure. So, uh, you know, they went up into this into this mansion and explored around. Spooky stuff happened. I remember like making like a box of blood fill up that had pictures of the family in it and just really tried to like creep them out. And eventually they got to a point where they had discovered that this family had been turned into vampires. Um and I don't know if I'm giving a lot of good stuff as far as margin, you know, stuff in the margins, but Well, we'll, we'll dig into um, that in a minute. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh so <laughs> They they actually had to fight, like, the, the children had been turned into vampire spawn, you know, I was young and really demented at the time, so, you know, kids being vampires, that's fine, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, they had to fight that, and then, like, the vampires actually called on that shadow creature, or the Barghest, which, well, I'm just going to call it the Barghest, I don't really know what it was, but sure. I think that's what it was. So, you know, they had actually summoned that version of the creature back to fight, um, and they they got through the fight, amazingly enough, and were able to overcome the odds i think they were playing it i think i gave them like 10th level characters you know we were just having fun so Mm -hmm. you know i didn't really need to worry about a build up um but eventually you know they finished the fight and uh something came over them at the end and they passed out they woke up in like the infirmary of the town and they had been talking to the nurse and whatnot and they're just like oh well you know uh we were up at that mansion the nurse is like what mansion are you talking about? And then this old nurse comes by and she like looks at them really oddly and she's like, you know, oh, this family mansion? And they're just like, yeah. And she's like, that hasn't even been, like that got demolished 50 years ago. So I did that whole weird twist thing where it's yeah. like, wait, where were we? What happened? But, you know, okay. so that's that's pretty much the more, the, that, was, that was pretty much in one night. I think we played from like 10 to four o'clock. That was back in the day when- yeah. we, I could do that stuff.
1: Yeah, I remember those days fondly. Uh, I am good. an old, old man. I cannot do that anymore. If I don't go to bed by like 11, I'm a grumpy bastard yeah. the next day. So. I have to put the phone down because it's just, it's bad. It'll keep me up yeah. all night. So there's a couple of things you talked about that I, I want to maybe pull out a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me again, I got that tickle in the throat tonight. Um, no
2: worries.
1: <clears throat> so you were talking about the, the, the one imagery you shared was the blood filling the box that had the, the pictures in it. Yes, And so what that sort of, in my mind, talks about is, is foreshadowing. You know, you were clearly showing there's blood covering the images of these people. They're like, you know, there's a little bit of subtext could be read there. Uh, okay, so is yeah. is foreshadowing something that you try to do in your games a lot? Is it something that you want them to be able to look back on and go, oh, OK, I, I, we didn't know it at the time, but now I see what you were doing. Is that something you intentionally try to do in your games or is it just something that maybe oh, yeah. came out?
2: I mean, at the time, it's probably just something that came out because I was really just flying off the cuff in that session. But, uh, but nowadays, I mean, after having listened to so much and, you know, read as much as I'm able to, it's definitely something dropping those breadcrumbs has been an important part especially with bombarded like making sure that i, I leave the right pieces so that whenever the puzzle comes together there's not big chunks missing out of it. yeah so that's uh it's actually become a very big part and even in my i i play at my comic book store around the corner from my house and that's even been something that i've done here and there in games that i've played over there too so again i Luckily, recently, I've had one of my players step up, and he's running an old 2E thing. Um, but uh, but for the last year, I had been deeming there, too, of course. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, no, It's foreshadowing has become a very big part, and I think it really plays into proper storytelling to be able to give those pieces and allude to things that
1: don't get answered maybe for a while. <coughs> Excuse me. So... Okay. So I guess what, what I'm interested in a little bit here is, is I, I definitely do this, or at least I certainly try to do it. Much much like you said, when I get to an end of a campaign or end of an arc or end of a story, I want people to be able to look back and see those breadcrumbs and, and see the trail that might have been there, hopefully, uh, along the way. <laughs> but in this particular case, this was a one shot. You didn't have a lot of time to prep. This probably wasn't something you were ever going to pick up again. No. Do you think it's valuable to try to foreshadow in a game that is only gonna last four to five hours and doesn't really need to connect to a larger story? Do you do you still think there's value in it? Or is it just like kind of a if it works, it works?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I think there's value in it if you if you do it well enough. Um you you really don't have to it's really keeping it minimal as far as foreshadowing because you can I mean you can go from like minimal to grandiose and I, I think you just have to choose the moment when it's appropriate to do so. Um and that's that's basically what I what I've tried to do in the in the holiday in the holiday one off one off that we did, you know, I definitely tried to, you know, drop some breadcrumbs there, even though I was expecting it to be one session. It's just like little things where it's like if you pay attention, things things aren't quite all there. It's like, what's, why is this not matching up with the expectation or, you know, like, Oh, I should have, I should have seen that coming
1: because right. of it. So, I mean, I think it's, it's difficult. Uh, Cause anytime you run in a game, like we've said before, it's basically the first draft of a novel
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you don't really get a chance to edit. Whatever comes out is kind of what comes out. The players, you know, don't follow the plot, which is fine. Cause the plot is what oh, they yeah, do anyways. But really, the only thing you have, if you don't make props, and you're probably not going to make props for a one-shot, is those visual cues. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I'm just trying to think through, like, obviously, kind of the big bad. you know, The summon demon sounds like that was ultimately the big bad, but the main bad guys were, in fact, the vampires that summoned the thing. Uh, So, I'm trying to think in a one-shot, what what you could foreshadow or, or hint at would be what the true villain is. Uh, And the first thing that came to my mind when you mentioned vampire um, was to take like a like like wax, like maybe there's just an image of red wax dripping off the edge of a table. So you've got these two long red strings that, you know, Uh, look like blood. Or maybe there's just even two dots that have fallen on the floor. So you got almost like the two neck prints. Um, yeah,
2: absolutely. So
1: let's, let's pick another monster. Let's like, like a beholders kind of one. Can you think of any ways that you could foreshadow a beholder without just giving it away? Anything comes to mind, just, you know, top of the, top of the brain sort of thing.
2: Uh, I mean, I'd probably have a, a couple litterings of ash pile from disintegration spells. I'd have to say, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a person who's gone mad that's been locked in a room. If they're able to find their way in there, uh, and I'm trying to think of all, all the different ability or abilities of the beholder. But I mean, the, the ash thing is the first thing, first thing that comes to mind. It's like, you know, what, what's with all these, what's like, that? you know, yeah, it's the last people who were here. Oh, oh my God. No. Uh, and the, at- the
1: terrible thing about that is like to really have that follow through.
2: You're going to have to kill somebody. <laughs> make an
1: appearance. Well, but- that, that's why you have NPC helpers. It's like a, like in Indiana Jones, yes. he had the mm-hmm. three people with him so he could kill one or one could get killed. So mm-hmm. you go, oh, this is dangerous. Yep. Um, so what I was thinking, and again, I'm not trying to say it, I, I'm just brainstorming at the same time, yeah, would absolutely. be if there's other people, like maybe there's cultists or something who are working for the Beholder. Uh, yep. And early on, you notice that they have like tattoos on the back of their hands of, of eyes.
2: Eyes, yeah. You know, like just like,
1: or, or, you know, eye on the middle of the head or eye on the back of the hands. Or it could be eyes just all over them, which you could present in a way that's just like almost Call of Cthulhu freaky. Yeah, but once absolutely. you realize what it is, like, oh, that's what all those eyes were for, all the tattoos, it, it just makes sense. Yeah, no, uh,
2: absolutely. I think that's really good.
1: So I'll throw it out to chat. We have a couple of people that are going back and forth. Give us another monster, and we'll 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 just play a little game and see if we can come up with something else. Uh, no, so some so, so it won't be me the one coming up with it. Um, so we'll, okay. it takes a couple of seconds sometimes for chat to to catch on. Uh, so we'll we'll let that you know play out. So uh, yeah, absolutely. session zero.
2: Take it around. Oh, hey, I was just thinking that. <clears throat>
1: I have to pull on the other drink I have, which is oh, just tea. Just tea, yeah. So that sweet tea. I, now, I'm from mm. the South. I'm not from the Deep South. I'm from Southeast Kentucky. But I, yeah. if I'm going to drink sweet tea, mm. it's got to be actually sweet. Like, yeah, you, you pour course. it out on the table, and it kind of sits there like Jello sweet. So oh, yeah, yeah. So was that um, – Chicken Express sweet tea, sweet tea, or was it like sweet tea?
2: Yeah, that's that. That's I mean, well, to me, that's sweet tea, man. I mean, I, I, you know, vodka is something I drink, but I'll chase it with sweet tea, and it's got to be that sweet tea. <laughs> so, like, you know, I mean, kills me when I go to a restaurant and I ask them if they have sweet tea, and I'm like, no, we got sugar. I'm like, no, no you don't. Yeah. How sweet tea
1: works? That, I almost want to slap people. Like that yeah. is not sweet tea. That is yeah, crappy tea it, with right. sugar that will just go to the bottom and you won't even taste it. Yeah, it'll sit there and just do nothing. It's not going to
2: dissolve. You're not serving me hot tea that's right. going to cool and then be put over ice.
1: So uh, time for that. So Targris threw out first of all sugar rush and kidney stones. I have a history of kidney stones, so oh. Uh. Uh, but the Dryad would be something that uh, as a monster we could foreshadow. Uh, so I'll go first this time and give you a little a right. couple extra minutes to think about it. Um, Thank you, sir. So. Uh the first the really the first thing that came to mind would be there's some sort of manor house or some sort of building. Maybe it's a public building in a town, village that's just you know overflowing with flowers and bushes. Maybe there's a there's a tree in the corner that's growing and there's just a lot of uh was it fauna that that mm-hmm. maybe not unnaturally so but like when i'm describing the room i'll be like you know there's a bush over here and there's all these flowers it's well kept and maybe they just think this person has a green thumb or that you know they're they're into that and then it would tie in later that they're maybe infatuated with the dryad or they've captured the dryad and that spirit is inside of maybe the tree in the corner then it would kind of make a little bit more sense uh the other thing would be an area that is uh doesn't have a lot of vegetation but there's one small spot that does uh so not necessarily like a patch of death, but you know it 's maybe it's in the fall, most of the trees have turned leaves have fallen there 's one or two trees that are vibrant. That might be a little too on the note, but anything you can think of uh I think
2: one thing that comes to mind is um maybe there's a town that relies on a grove for certain reasons, and they 've you know they don't know that there's a dryad that's tending to it and taking care of it, but they've noticed that the grove has started to kind of wither and dull. And it's uh, you know again another you know dryad being captured scenario, but you know somebody's taken that dryad away from their like you know their grove where they're taking care of it. So you get sent originally over there just because it's like well we rely on the, the bounty of this of this place to provide for us, and it's very important to us. Maybe it could even be some kind of religious you know place for nearby druids that. You know they they maybe not know but they have the sense so and then you get there and you can you know tracking or you know survival skill to find out that something's happened here. There's something something wrong. You follow the trail and lo and behold, you find the captor of the of the dryad.
1: So, so kind of just bouncing off that the the idea that I I thought of would be where the like maybe the people who go to the grove for whatever reason the you know the the, the, the bounty of that area. Yeah. Uh, is attacked by some sort of creature it could be like a natural creature like a wolf or whatever yeah but that's something that doesn't happen very often so the adventurers are hired to say hey you know we go here all the time it needs to be safe can you take care of the wolves for us and so they think they're attacking the problem but that's mm. actually just a symptom the problem is that the dryad's now gone yes. and the dryad is keeping not keeping the area safe so these other creatures are like hey we can move in now um uh, right. so it's foreshadowed but it's not like you know, hey, you're going to a grove in the middle of the forest and blah 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 blah. So
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. that's totally fair. I I you know, I, I need more practice at this Well season. no, and
1: again I wasn't like trying to say mine was better. No, bear. no, no. I was just bouncing off top of it.
2: Yeah, no, it was a great bounce, man.
1: I always like wolves, students. Uh, Dangerous Fusion, who who joined us last night, we played uh Dragonfire, only communicates in emoticons, but they're really on to on spot on. I I'm really enjoying trying to connect what we say with what Dangerous Fusion is putting up there. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, from what you talked about was when you are doing a one shot, uh, where does that inspiration come from? Like I said, you were basically in the corner trying to, you know, fervently and feverishly trying to come up with something. So you probably didn't know what kind of characters they were playing. You probably didn't even know what race or class or what abilities or what backgrounds. So you're kind of creating a vacuum. Yeah. How how was that different than, because we preach again, session zero, everyone take a drink, all no. the time, like how important they are. You can't do that in that situation. So how do you compensate for not having that much information to design an encounter or an adventure when you're just like, all right, one, two, three, let's go.
2: Uh, n- having a quick thumb on the on the books for reference and uh mainly mainly I I think my process was Okay, let's start off. Done through the monster manual. Let's find the BB BBG, and uh, figure out what we can do with that. All right, let's find some some supporting bad guys, and see where we can go from there. And uh, then, unfortunately, the thing about thing about doing that a lot is you don't you can't really take into consideration a lot of the people's backstory or anything like that. And that's unfortunate. Cause that's, that's what makes D and D so much fun is when you can, you create a character, you fall in love with them and you get to develop them. Um, but uh, luckily again, I was playing with some really close friends and we were able to kind of just like throw that to the wind to have some fun and just have a good time with it. Um, you know granted there were some times where you know longer campaigns came around if we could get to them but more often than not everybody was like ah oh, let's let's just do something else so yeah. but um but i think something like that just really building off like thinking just finding that one monster that resonates and it doesn't doesn't matter what it is i mean it's D, it's magical world like who knows why this cockatrice is really really smart and you know what happened to it? We don't know any, you know, some weird wizard could have messed with it. And been like, this is my project and uh, be free in the world. And i want to see what happens and witness it. Or some chaos God could just be like, yeah, this will be interesting. A really smart chicken that can turn people into stone. I like that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, stuff like that is just, I, I'd really go off the deep end probably. And it's may not have been the best, but at the time, you know, living out, we, I grew up out in like the country, so we didn't really have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So everything was kind of uh kind of home brewed. We didn't we had a comic book store but you know they kind of had just like the basic stuff, you know, not not a lot of like modules that we could buy or mm-hmm. that I remember seeing. So it was a lot of us that's just like coming up with stuff and be like, "Yeah, we'll play this" or "Yeah, we'll do this." Everybody get on board and we'd go back between D&D and Star Wars and sometimes you'd want off Star Wars
1: stuff too. Do you have a, a particular bad guy monster or plot hook that's kind of like always in your back pocket like if if you have to pull something out right now it's kind of your go-to
2: i'd probably have to say doppelganger
1: i love doppelgangers there's so much yeah
2: it's really it's really good and it's really easy to do um if well i say that it's you know, you still have to do everything well or right. And I I just have a I have a fun time with it, and maybe that's why it's just like you know. Once I think of like, oh, they're just copying somebody. Cool. Let's let's see how that yeah. person that or that doppelganger would wind up causing chaos.
1: Yeah, I definitely. I love doppelgangers. They're one of my favorite creatures to use. Uh, one of the reasons why is it it fixes mistakes. Like if it wasn't originally doppelgangers, and you realize halfway through you totally f something up, it's a doppelganger. <laughs> That explains the inconsistencies. (laughs) You just didn't pick up on the clues I was laying down. You guys weren't
2: taking notes or paying attention at
1: all. (laughs) Yeah. Foreshadowing. Ah. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Yeah. definitely. So is there anything else about that particular night or that adventure that you would, you want to mind for something else before we move on? Don't have Um, to, but if something comes up or if you want to.
2: I mean, I, I, I really like the concept of, uh, of the weird time shift that happened at the end I thought that was you know of course I was like 17 at the time and it's like oh this is like funky and fresh yeah yeah of course yeah um it's probably it's I think it's played out I don't know I'm sure it's been done I'm you know there's nothing original under the sun so uh you know I I thought that was really cool at the time so I'm wondering like how, how what would be a better way of like pulling that off like how could you other than just having them black out, and then come back, like, what sets up that, what would set that up better, I guess, to to really, I guess you would have to age the area, it's like, give it, or make it look younger, actually, mm-hmm. like, man, this looks this looks like a young budding town, and there's this nice, bright, you know, mansion at the top, giving it those details like that, I think could really improve it, and make it seem like, well, no, we're in, like, the third age, and stuff has been around for a while, and nothing looks new, Why? why that, so... I mean, that's that's kind of where my mind goes is as far as making that a little bit more a, a little bit more tangible and not just like a a white, you know. Well,
1: I think to your credit here is that uh, being a one shot and being the fact that you ended at 4 a.m., like a real hard sort of like it was all a dream. Like, I think that's fine. Like, I don't yeah. think you need to approach it subtly. But if this was a campaign and this was like the first session and then you were going to pick this back up and, you know, next weekend you were going to do session two, I think leaving it a little bit more, you know, willy-nilly, sort of loosey-goosey, probably yeah. was, uh, vague, I guess is what we're looking for, might yeah. be a little bit better. <clears throat> you know, so maybe there's like a, there's a tree, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> there's a tree that's just prominent in the in the, the village or the town square and right. when they come out of the hospital, it's now, an, you know, a huge tree or it's a sapling, Yeah, you know, either yeah. one of those would be like very noticeable. I mean, it, it's kind of obvious if they're, but if they're not thinking time, right. travel, they might just think, well, that's weird. Um, yeah. You know, you can do other things that depends on how long they were in the building. Like if they were on this adventure for like a week. Mm-hmm. You could do a couple things where, you know, maybe there's just something moved. There, the the inn the was on this side of the street, but now it's on this side of the street. Did something right. happen in the week that we had to move the inn, or did we forget which side of the street it was on in the week versus if it's been, you know, they only, they were only in the mansion for four hours and they yeah. come back out, then they would either have to be very, very subtle uh, or something that may not be noticed until it's pointed out to them.
2: Right. No, I think those are all all great
1: notes. Trying to think, um, because I also I I love to I love to do that sort of ambiguous ending Mm -hmm. that might be something and it might not. Uh, Probably one of the more famous examples that I've done is um, the first campaign that we did for the show is called Made Men. I love that show. I I hate the fact that we were still figuring out audio and some (laughs) of the audio is just almost unbearable. And then there was episodes we lost. It's like almost every week I'd be like. Sorry for the audio this week. It'll be better next week. And oh, we lost a recording, so this is what happened. Uh, yeah. It drives me crazy. Oh, but but man, there were some blumber. there was some amazing stuff in that in that series, and it revolved around like the very first scene in the in the game was the main character Zane or one of the main characters of PC came downstairs and he met with his crime lord boss because in the okay. made men, they were basically low level mobster gangster type people.
2: Right on. So and
1: fun. and the tavern owner was named Graydon. And he sort of was sprinkled throughout the entire, you know, series. Like he, he obviously was their boss, but very quickly they they decided to run away from the gangs, and there was all these hints that there was something about Graydon more than what you knew. It involves time travel, so uh, at the end they they solved everything, but they had to use time travel to do it. So they decided to go back in time, like like eighty to a hundred years. So that they would never see themselves, they wouldn't cause a paradox. You know, they they, right. they knew that they would never see anybody that they knew to cause any problems. And yep. the very last thing, this was the last session, I knew that we we're never gonna pick up again. As they are walking through town, they go into an inn, and Graydon is the barkeep. He looks exactly the same, <laughs> and he goes, looks at him, and goes, "It's about time you got here." And that was that. <laughs> the last things that was said about that That's campaign.
2: Perfect.
1: I have no idea what that meant. But I thought, that's pretty awesome. Like, what does that mean? You know, it makes me think what what I could do with it if we picked it back up.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Man, that's good. I really <laughs> like that. And that's when you close the book and say, all right, somebody yep. else run a campaign for a while. I got writing to do. Exactly.
1: Uh, so there's a couple of things in chat I want to try to catch up on. Uh, someone yeah. mentioned a show on Netflix called Dark. Yeah. I loved that show. I, I blasted through that. It's very dreary. It's a German Uh, shows it's it's actually dubbed into english which is really funny i don't know why i find this funny but i'm i'm kind of hard of hearing i have have deafness in one ear so i've started watching shows with closed captioning on otherwise i have to have the tv full blast and it bothers everyone else in the house so i can kind of hear it but i can keep up with the words but the closed captioning did not match the audio like there would just be these subtle differences certain words would be off or certain, uh, you know, they leave out connecting words. It's just, it was kind of like weird sometimes reading it and it didn't match what they said. But anyway, but it's a really cool show. It involves time travel. It's very dark. Apparently mm. in, in Germany, there's only four weather patterns, really heavy raining, just finished raining about no, no, it's actually raining. Like th- those are the only things that happens. Um, okay. But definitely dark is very, very cool. I'm trying to see if there's anything else, uh,
2: that's weird. I should know that I took four semesters of German and uh, ah yeah or ya yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah so I, I think that's the majority of it, so we will move on uh but I do yeah. actually I, I like that as a uh as maybe a new segment or just like a exercise is take a random monster and how can you foreshadow that one
2: yeah, no, I think that's a great exercise, and uh it really gets the the noodle rolling.
1: So the next thing, which is everyone's favorite part of the show, that this is why people come. Mm-hmm. Where have my fingers been?
2: Oh, man. Now, again, I've been looking forward to this.
1: You, you said you, you listened to some shows, so you've heard where have yeah. my fingers been, but you've not seen where have my fingers been. No. Uh, but essentially what we're going to do is we're going to create a small scene. We're going to give each other a prompt, yeah. uh, and it can be literally anything. And we will... Try to act out the ideas for the scene to have a beginning, the middle and an end. I usually yep. don't do those because that's kind of my thing is I just stop in the middle because I think it's funny, <laughs> uh, but we will have a scene. So since you are the guest, I will just ask you to prompt me first so you can see what I do before okay. you have to do it. So give me a prompt for where have my fingers been? Oh, sorry. First, we have to do the song. I almost okay. forgot. It's been a while since we've done detention. Alrighty. Where have, have my fingers have been? Fingers I said, where have, fingers have my fingers, fingers been? been? Okay, now,
2: lay it on me. Yeah. Okay, so um, I started off with, your fingers have been in 1920s bootlegger America where they are trying, one is trying to get Hooch past the law.
1: What do you mean you're going to search our trunk? We ain't got nothing in the truck. Uh, sir, I can see, I can literally see there's a still in the back of your pickup. It's covered with a green tarp and I can see it. No, you don't. Sir, I l- turn around, look, look. I don't think that. <laughs> and that's where my fingers are dead. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Oh, fantastic. So, all right, Kyle, sing mm. us a song said where have my fingers been said where have my fingers been you are in the green room mm. going on next after a band of orcs are playing a mosh pit at a dnd slash concert Ooh,
2: man that sounds like a lot of fun hey man i really thought y'all did a great job y'all really uh, slayed up there yeah, we slay all the time what are you trying to say uh, well, no, I mean, you just you you're, what name of your band, maybe like Slayer or something? Oh, you think you're really a funny little guy? Oh, uh, and it's like, well, what if we uh break your axe? It's like, well, I wouldn't like that very much. It's like, yeah, you wouldn't, I wouldn't like it if you're uh, totally rude to me just because I'm an, an orc orc heavy metal band, and that's where my fingers <laughs> at. not all orcs, right? Right,
1: uh, so short meeting said, let the halflings hit the floor. <laughs>
2: Oh, man, I actually. speaking of which i'm going to go off into a little tangent um before we started bombarded there is a time we were playing before that well that's a little redundant but we were playing and they were supposed to bring water back to this halfling village turns out the king in the land had dammed it up so that you know he could divert the water to go to a quarry to cut more stone and uh they wound up releasing it well the king didn't like this and he showed up and basically held like all the all the halflings were gone when they got back uh, except for one the one that they had gotten to know and spent the night with and gave them the quest and he was like okay so like you know i, I tell you what i'll let this per i'll let this pathling live if you know i you give me somebody give me an arm he was asking for a limb and nobody did it like i was surprised cuz at the time Goodrich was playing a character uh edward the bold and brave i believe was his full name um and it, i was expecting him to do it you know i was like if anybody does this this would be his character's thing mm-hmm but nobody did. So, of course, the king slid her throat, and then they all disappeared, and the court mage that was with them, uh, all of a sudden, all the hobbits, or, sorry, halflings, yes. uh, don't need to get in trouble there, all the halflings, you know, appeared about, <laughs> like, yeah, 500 feet above the town, and it started just raining halflings, and they had to run inside to, uh, to not be pelted by halfling bodies. So that's uh, halflings at the floor, yeah.
1: Or, or it's raining halflings? It's rain, yeah. half-land, half-land, it's, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's rain and Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, man. Fantastic. All right. So we will wrap up the show tonight, as we often do, with uh, Cryptozoology. This okay. is where we take a look at a monster, primarily from D&D, but does not have to be. And some ways that we've used it in the past, or maybe we'll brainstorm some ways that we could use it in the future. So Kyle, you are the guest tonight. Is there a particular monster you would like to talk about?
2: Uh, I am bored to talk about mimics just because I don't know. I, I I like them so much. They're so versatile, and you can trick people so well with them.
1: Okay, so I I we I think we have touched on mimics before, but it's totally cool because we can okay. always approach it from different angles. But uh-huh. I I do not think I have ever actually used a mimic. Like it's one of those things that's you know it's ubiquitous to D and D. I don't remember if I've ever done, I might've liked the first time I ever played when I was you know, 12 and they opened a treasure (laughs) chest and ate their arm off, but, but I haven't really done anything. So what is it about mimics that you like so much that you want to use them over and over again?
2: Well, see, the thing is, I think a lot of people, like when they use a mimic, they will have, they will just have it by itself. I like to use them in in twos. Like, so one, one story again, back to when uh, we were playing before bombarded, uh, there was a portion where they were trying to get up to the roof to escape this undead horde, and uh, there were two ladders. No reason why. You know, they didn't, they didn't really ask, and, uh, you know, I asked them, I was like, all right, well, the undead are about to, like, knock down the door. What do you want to do? And Goodrich Leptune is like, I'm going to go up the left, left ladder. And I looked at my notes, and I was like, okay, all right, Cool. And I had seen this picture that was shared in the Facebook D and D Five E group, and it was a mimic who had basically rolled a ladder out of its mouth. I've seen
1: that image. Yeah, it's
2: so great. I was so I was just like, "Yes, I love this. This is so fantastic." So, and that was his first experience with mimics, and uh, you know, so when you present them in twos like that, it's just like, which 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 one is it? Like, you can make the wrong choice or you can make the right choice, and it's right. not you, you, they're not forced into it. It's not you know, it is tricking them, but it's not just like as as you know as simple as being just a door or a single treasure chest treasure chest in a room because i feel like you know mimics they copy things and when they copy things i feel like that maybe that thing needs to be nearby unless they internalize it in their memory i don't know how they're i don't know the you know etymology i don't know if that's the right word i don't know yeah. but hey you know i figure you know they will copy something that's nearby rather than all right i'm gonna go over here and do that
1: Which, you know, that can make sense, too. I I do actually like that a lot because that, that, again, going with the foreshadowing uh, is a way to sort of telegraph that there might be something. So it's not just like a ha-ha, I gotcha. You Uh, know, it could be like there's two identical chests in the room. Uh, Is it maybe one of them looks worn, the other doesn't, because maybe the mimic doesn't, you know, copy the damages or the scratches in it. So it's like, oh, that's weird. Why are there two? Why does this one look brand new? Mm -hmm. So it's enough of a question that when something happens, you don't feel like totally like, ha ha DM got you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why I like using them in that manner. Um, And of course I've seen, seen a couple of their different variations like barrel mimics. I saw that picture as well. And I was like, dude, that's great too. Cause you know, like what if they're in a chase going through town and a mimic has found their way into town and they go down that alley with that barrel and not saying you have to put it there just because it's a, it's a trip up, But, you know, if you like if I wrote that like weeks ahead of a session and it came down to that, I'm like, okay, you know, if they go through go through an alleyway, like I'll roll a percentile dice to determine if it's that alley, you know, just to give them a a fighting chance of the, you know, randomness of a city and a mimic finding its way into that position. But could you imagine that kind of frustration? I mean, just they have that kind of trip up. It's like, no, get back here. What? No.
1: (laughs) And you get tripped up like that. And then you have what I like about that is, is assume they don't kill the mimic maybe they can later use that. And they lead someone into that alley like as a trap of their own design. Like, hey, if we lead them in here, the mimic will get them and that will help us out, sort of a thing. Uh, more
2: dangerous than a player that'll use the DM's tools against him?
1: Oh, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't ever put no. anything in the game you don't want used against you or your monsters because yes. it will find a way. Uh, I'm pretty That's sure true. that the first time we talked about mimics, or at some point, I don't remember where we, I know we talked about mimics, it might have been like a faculty meeting, But I talked about the idea of maybe there being this legendary sailing ship, like a pirate ship, that is just, you know, it's supposed to be the best ship, the fastest, the strongest, whatever. And long story short, the entire ship is a Mimic. So after this long quest, the players find the ship they've been looking for. They all go on board that night when they're sleeping in the bunks, the Mimic eats them.
2: Nom, nom, nom.
1: Nom, nom, nom. So (laughs) what I'm thinking today Um, what if you did something similar to like the symbiote venom suit of Spider-Man Okay, yeah. where the mimic takes the form of like maybe armor. So it's not magical, but Mm -hmm. it does things that are like magic and you know, it's like very beneficial to the player. Like they're, you know, it just, it conforms maybe when they're running away, it it sort of does something. So the back's bigger, you know, so it's like shields them in a way or, or an actual shield to sort of, crawls down their arm and creates and they think they have a magical suit of armor.
2: Oh yeah. But
1: it's a mimic in disguise. It's either waiting for the right opportunity or maybe even like the symbiote, it's going to eat other people. It doesn't want to eat you because you keep providing it things to eat. So it will continue to protect you as long as it's safe to do so. So you could have that cool moment where this person has this, this item, whether it's armor or not, it's something that they're using. They're like, this is so cool. And then way later, they realize, oh, that's the thing that's been eating people. Every time we go to an inn, there's a murder.
2: That's what's uh, going yeah. on. Because go. I was just thinking, I was like, yeah, you, you defeat an enemy and then it goes down and swallows it. And you're just like, wait, what, what just happened? Yeah. Uh, uh, Another thing I think would be a benefit of it is that, you know, since mimics have that, you know, natural adhesive, time a benefit that I would give to that armor you're talking about <laughs> is anytime a person lands a hit, they have to make a strength check like the almost like car, like they
1: can't pull their sword away.
2: Yeah, and if they're if they're stuck on you, you get advantage on that next hit. Oh yeah,
1: you know? I like that.
2: You attack them and you'll you'll have that advantage because you know they're not able to like they're still up in your face and they're like, No, 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 no. <laughs> so
1: So uh Targus threw in there, this armor is great. It's a bit of work to run around in, but on the plus side I'm losing weight. It's like the fat's just melting away. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very great. good very good uh, so so what are some other ways that we can use a, a mimic um, um the to- the tome of beasts uh has
2: i think it's called cobble swap or cobble cobble spawn and it's literally just like a cobble cobble road that are mini mimics mm. and so you know you're going down like a desolate town uh there's a lot of like you know sc- i mean there's nobody around you could say there's like bodies and whatnot if you want to you you're the dm you figure it out sure but you know it's like man why is this town so desolate and like maybe you turn around and you notice like yeah we walked in on a cobble road but it's it's disappearing behind us why and it's because it's moving to you know constantly get around you
1: it's almost like a piranha but instead of being in a river you're just being on a a street exactly i'm trying to think of a way that uh, I, the armor was beneficial. I'm trying to go another way that you could use a mimic that wasn't like as a as an adversary, but something that could be manipulated in some way. Um,
2: let's see here. Then uh, maybe you could get a, um, put a mimic into the bottom of a port- portable hole and. Uh, Throw it behind
1: somebody and push them in. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. I was thinking more uh, of almost like a heist movie, like uh, ocean's 11 situation where like you have to steal the thing. So mm-hmm. in order to do that, you replace the thing with the thing. So, yeah, that's good. so you find a mimic like that's the first part of the adventure is, Hey, we need a mimic. Somebody yeah. goes and finds one captures it either, you know, trains it like, you know, treats it nice, like gives it candy or they capture it against its will and they right. find a way to make it turn into that thing and then they you know so on and so forth so it's, that's it's just
2: basically wad from aqua Teen hunger force oh
1: there you go yeah <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to find a way that it's not something they have to kill it's something they have to use i'm sure there's a better yeah. better way but that's the first game to mind
2: no i think that's a good way that's 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 definitely a good thought um yeah yeah replacing with something is pff, that's up there man that's i think that's real good
1: there was this old show. Um, there's a couple people in the chat talking about a about a house that eats people. Uh, but there was this old show I used to watch. It was it was like a knockoff of the uh, Twilight Zone. I think it was called The Outer Limits. Did you ever watch that show? Yeah.
2: That sounds familiar for some reason, but I can't recall. I'm I'm a bit
1: older than you, so it might have been a little bit before your time. Because I was pretty okay. young when it came out. Uh, but it, it was like these just you know knockoff sci-fi or scary or stories. And I, there's one that really re, I still stays with me to this day is there was this, I think it was a, it was a guy and he had a bed that was essentially like a mimic okay. and he worked for, like he was forced to. So, so it starts off, he's bringing a girl home. And it's like a date and they start to make out and they go to the bed and he's like, I gotta, you know, I gotta go do something. So he gets off the bed and then the bed eats the girl. And then he has this whole thing where he's like, he feels awful about it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So so the episode continues and he meets a girl that he really likes. And he's like, I don't want to feed this girl to my bed. So instead they go to her place and yeah. they're sitting on the couch and they're watching TV. She's like, Hey, do you mind grabbing us a couple of beers? He's like, sure. So he goes and opens the fridge and the fridge eats him and pulls him in. I was like, I don't that's know weird. why, but that's just the the thing that can, I remember.
2: Man, that's really
1: awesome.
2: <laughs> I, love, I like that twist. I like that a lot. Nice.
1: All right. So uh, I think that's about wrapping it up. We, uh, we always end asking if there's any questions in chat. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be D&D related. It can just be sure. about us, about something that we're, you know, the nerd consciousness, movies, video games, whatever. So yeah. we'll, we'll throw it out to chat. There's a bit of a delay. So while we're waiting for the chat to catch up, if there are any questions, where can people find your work on the internet, Kyle? Where can they go find your stuff?
2: uh everything is pretty much uh at i mean if you want to check out our band lindbymusic.com that's l i n d b y uh that's where we put out all of our music and everything of course we're on bandcamp you can find us on facebook through that uh all of my stuff is pretty much through that i'm not sure if we have a bombarded we're working on getting a bombarded website which we probably should have done earlier but hey, you know we just play it by ear we're musicians so um but uh if you want to find us on any social media search, I mean, in Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, bombarded cast, and we have a, we have an email bombarded cast at gmail.com. If you want to email us something, say hi, or, you know, uh, anything like that. We're open to talk. We're open to chat and have a good time. And I'm on my personal Twitter is again, Boognish theory, uh, Bugnish underscore theory, uh, B double O G N I S H theory. You got that. So yeah. But yeah, no, that's pretty much where I'm at. Um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really have a lot more than I do. Other than that I'm pretty, I, I like I said, I work in a repair shop for band instruments and play D and d and play video games. That's <laughs> I'm, I'm living the dream. That's man. the
1: life, my friend. You, yeah. you don't have kids, do you?
2: Not yet. It'll happen someday, and I'm looking forward to making them awesome little nerds. Yeah.
1: So that that was me. Like uh, I I love my kids. Don't don't ever get me wrong. But yeah. life changes. Like I used to just be able to do. Anything whenever and, and always, uh, so we do have a couple of questions come in uh, short manian four four is asking uh, any speculations on what the next d and d hardcover book is going to be so i ooh,
2: I really hope we get like extended classes mainly maybe like a prestige actually no i'm gonna i 'm gonna retract that. I want a deities and demigods book that's oh. what I want. I remember those from three point five and I loved looking through them. The stat blocks were ridiculous, yeah. and it's just like god hunting yes <laughs> give me those stat blocks so that would be that would be my pick and i know that's probably not everybody's favorite i would like to see a, a psionics handbook that would be nice they used to have the quintis- the quintessential series mm-hmm. i don't know if that was like 3.5 official but
1: i know oh, there, yeah. there was a there's a two point or a second edition series of books called the complete guide there's a complete guide yeah. to elves and complete guide to rogues and complete guide to everything and I love those. They were just all fluff lore books. Uh, yeah. I thought those were great. I
2: love lore. Volo's <laughs> was great just, you know, for the like monster lore alone. It was, I love it. So anything you can give me to sink my teeth in to help me to like develop a story uh,
1: is gold for me. Right. So I I don't have any theories necessarily. I, again, I, I keep up pretty well in the Twitter sphere and talking to people. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard Chris Perkins say... Heard as in read his tweets, that uh, they always sort of hide hints in certain books about what's coming up and and what I've gathered from that and from people talking is that they think it's going to be Planescape, or there's okay. going to be some sort of planar multiverse sort of uh, sort of book. Which I'm not a I never played in Planescape. It wasn't anything that was ever in my wheelhouse, but I know a lot of people seem to be excited about that. So I'm happy that it will be something people can have. If it's my choice, I want it to be an adventure set in Eberron, so we get official Eberron rules because that is my That's favorite fair. setting.
2: That's fair. I think I got to play in Eberron once in high school, and I can't even remember what I played. I want to say Warforged, but I feel like that was a you know a buddy of mine who got to play that. It's been so long, um, but man, yeah, no, that'd be a lot of fun. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: I just I'm a big fan of that. Um, I- I don't know that's going to happen, but I, I would like for it to. Uh, okay. Short meeting and 444 also asked if, if we have ever been inspired by a d and game to write music or vice versa. Uh, I am not musically inclined at all, but we, we did just do an episode last week. It was a faculty meeting. It's not out on audio only. It's just on the web mm-hmm. on the YouTube where we talk specifically about taking lyrics from music and poetry to inspire games. Uh, yeah. But the, my guest was the one who did all that. I was just like going, okay, that sounds fine. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you're interested, maybe check out that episode uh, for some. But, but you as a musician, would you cross over like lyrics into the game, game into the lyrics?
2: I i have actually started doing that um, with uh, my, my favorite band, Ween. Well, there, uh, you there is... Yeah, there is a song um, on White Pepper called Back to Basem. And we're actually at a point in the story uh, on Bombarded where they are going to Basem so that later on they can go back, of course, because that's the name of the song. But no, and I've I've listened to uh, a buddy of mine that I play with at the comic book store. Uh, of course, I love Rush, Giddy Lee, bass player. That's my thing. So, uh, but if you listen to Rush's The Trees, listen to those words and just like, tell yourself it's not a D and D story and you won't be able to convince yourself. It's not, it's, it's very, very much like, you know, the, the maple versus, I think it's the Oak. I can't remember right off hand, but it, it's fantastic. And I mean, any of that, any prog rock stuff, I mean, it really delves into that realm of fantasy. So yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, I think it's a gold mine and for, for ideas, if you have really well-written songs that aren't, that are story driven in a way. So, uh, yes. Now going the other way, of course, and bombarded, we have to use the storyline that we're doing to write the song that's going on. Otherwise it's just, it's nothing. And my, the character I'm playing, will just be like, I, I, why did you sing about that? Right. Exactly. So, I mean, we're, we're actually practicing that, that latter part. And, uh, but I don't see why not. I mean, um, I don't, I don't see why you couldn't take a story and, you know, Take however many arcs that you have or whatever, and condense it down into a song, or even you know a uh, rock opera. If you wanted to, you could have a concept album that's all about one D and D session. I would love to listen to that. If somebody has done that, like, send it yeah. to me. It's, it's out there something.
1: somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of like, kind of funny. I've been going back and re-listening to all of our old episodes uh, mm-hmm. of faculty meetings, which they weren't always called faculty meetings, but that's irrelevant. Uh, but I've been making my way through them and just one of the ones I was listening to this week, we had a question sent in from a listener asking our advice on using a musical puzzle. Uh, this person was a music musician and they wanted to use a puzzle that basically said something about age. And the, mm-hmm. the hint was that it was a, G, and E was the chords and there would be a musical puzzle later. Uh, I don't remember the exact wording, but uh, that's, that's not the only musical puzzle. And I, I know from like, um goonies there's the thing where you got to read the notes and play yeah. the organ or yeah. the things fall uh i'm trying to think of any other way that you could do is, i mean you probably I, I
2: actually did that in the first episode of the holiday special that we did uh one of the first rooms that they get to inside the the toy factory uh is uh you know they're given riddles and one of the ones i'm remembering right off the ha- right off the top of my head is um Despite all its rage, I'm still able to contain this rodent. What am I? (laughs) C A G E. Yeah. So, you know, and luckily, you know, them, you know, everyone being a musician at our table, they were able to solve this pretty easily, but it's a lot of fun to do. And they actually, you know, play them out and stuff. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. You can totally use music as a, if you do it right, it's got to, and, and, man, I was playing last Thursday, and a musical puzzle came up, and I'm not playing the bard in my my D&D campaign there, Um, but one of my friends, of course, is, and I am sitting there overthinking this, this puzzle that's going on, because the bard had learned a melody earlier, and it's just a melody, he doesn't actually have a melody he's playing, but, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, how does this actually work? How can we, how can we, play the song in the right way to get this altar to move, or is there something I need to do with these symbols? And I just, I really like overthought it because I was starting to ask the DM, I was like, okay, well what is the melody like? Like, what is the contour like? And is there anything about the contour or the intervals between the notes? And it's just like, Kyle, shut up. You're overthinking. You're thinking too much. Your your inner theorist is coming out. Stop it. So, yeah, you can uh, can definitely overthink it, but uh, if you it's just got to have that right right flavor to it i guess
1: yeah the uh, the only other thing i was thinking of that there could obviously there's the you know music sues the sav- savage beast you mm-hmm. know thing where you could have someone has to play a melody to calm a beast down but yeah. i, I kind of like the the opposite of that where they have to play poorly like there's something about the cacophony of disparate tones or music or even songs like that's the answer to the puzzle in some ways that we all have to play a different song in a different key or whatever i'm not a musical person but just it's got to sound terrible but it can't just be garbage has to be intentionally different and that is what will do a thing or unlock a thing or open a thing
2: oh man i mean you could have a a god of chaos that's like you know if you want to access my temple if you want to if you want to you know have a party with me and see me, you have to bring discord and dissonance. And, you know, maybe you play, instead of like actually causing discord and dissonance, it's like on the front of the temple, it'd say like, I enjoy the sound of dissonance and discord. And like, it's like, what do we, do we make the town go like wild? Do we make everything chaotic here? Or it could be as simple as the bard just playing like a a diminished chord, a fully diminished chord, which is just really, really like grinding. It sounds really uh, like notes clashing. So, you know, and that that could be the answer, too. So, you know, that's, that's one thing. And a DM tip that I've read here and there is like, you know, hey, come up with a puzzle. And whenever somebody comes up with an answer you think's good enough, just be like, yep. yes, that's yep. it.
1: You've got it. That's exactly that. That is my, my <laughs> current puzzle, because if I try to come up with an answer, it will be so convoluted. No one will ever solve it. So yeah. I'll just throw out a random puzzle. And when someone comes up with something that sounds reasonable, I'm like, you got it. And they feel yep. smart and special. They feel like they solved it. And that, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, awesome. All right. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap things up there. Uh, first of all, Kyle, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck with the continued success of Bombard. I do hope people will go check it out. Uh, I think that's just, it's a cool concept. People have talked a lot about an all barred party and you guys are actually making it happen. And the fact that you're actual yep. musicians, I think is pretty awesome. So uh very cool. Hope people check it out. Thank you for joining me for everyone in chat. Thank you so much. It it really makes the show so much easier to do when we have people we can interact with and prompts and questions and just comments that it keeps the show lively, I think. Uh, so thank you guys so much. So uh, until next time, this has been Michael. I'm Kyle. And we'll do an awkward wave out. Yay. takes me a little while to find the uh, the thing here.